was created by the original, you know, the, the people who do Squirrel Girl, and I, we got feedback from the Marvel people. So they weren't necessarily in the room, but they had approval of, you know, how we uh, worked with their characters. And the highest praise that any of us got is when, oh, it's like, oh, that sounds like Squirrel Girl. Oh, that sounds like Peter Parker. Like, when we were able to capture the voice that other people had been working with for so long. Hi, and welcome back to The Plot, a podcast on writing and how our words and stories are shaping the world today. I'm Sean Douglas, I'm an arts journalist and podcaster, and today I'm honored to be joined by playwright Karen Sakarias for a conversation on playwriting and Marvel's Squirrel Girl. Sakarias is one of our country's most produced playwrights. She is known for her plays Native Gardens, Destiny of Desire, and Legacy of Light, among many others, as well as a range of musicals for young audiences. Her plays have received many awards and are frequently produced at leading theaters across the country, and the script for her musical Chasing George Washington was also adapted into a book by Scholastic with a foreword by Michelle Obama. Sakarius is also a fan of superheroes, and one of her latest plays is Squirrel Girl Goes to College, a Squirrel Girl play, developed with Marvel as part of their new Marvel Spotlight collection. Marvel Spotlight, which also includes plays by Christian Borel and Masiasare, is a new collection of short plays from Marvel and Samuel French, aimed at students and young adults. And in Zacharias' play, Squirrel Girl, whose real name is Doreen Green, must battle the likes of Doctor Doom and other villains, all while trying to maintain a normal life as a college freshman. It's wacky, thoughtful, and I could see teenagers, and let's be honest, adults too, having a lot of fun with it. If you're not familiar with Squirrel Girl and her super strength, sharp claws, and power to communicate with squirrels, don't worry. In this interview, Zacharias will tell you all you need to know about this powerful and comedic hero who's always down to, quote, eat nuts and kick butts. She also describes what it's like to write a play for Marvel, creating positive role models for young women, and what animals she would command if she too could commune with wildlife. Whether you're into theater, or even if you're not, and just into Marvel and the comic books or movies or video games, I think you're going to really like this conversation. So with that, here is Karen Zacharias on The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Hi, Karen. Thanks for being on the plot today. I'm so excited to be here. So I think I'll just start with the most obvious question, and I'm sorry it's one you've probably had to answer many times before, but how did you come to write this play about Squirrel Girl? So I've been lucky in my career as a playwright that I have been able to have a very diverse career where I write plays for children, high school, adults, I've written musicals, comedies, and uh, it's a, it was not a huge secret that I'm a big Marvel fan, and my husband in particular has over 4,000 Marvel comics, so I've learned a lot about the Marvel universe, and I guess that news got around because Marvel approached me, both from my work in the community and with young people and from my, you know, my little exotic love of comics to try to make um, the comic books um, write an original play that high schoolers could do at their school. And I thought that was a very original, interesting idea. 
And so did they like let you choose who you wanted to write about or did they have certain guidelines and what that they needed had to guidelines. Look like? They had very specific, they were trying, uh, it was about relaunching the newer versions of some of the, of the characters um, and making them accessible to a, a new generation. So uh, they, Kamala Khan, you know, Miss Marvel, all of these characters and uh, they were the ones who actually said, because of my sense of humor and my experience with writing comedy, uh, Squirrel Girl came up, who I did not know very well at all, and it seemed to become a perfect match. And now I love all things Squirrel Girl, because the powers of a squirrel and a girl, what could be more powerful? I know, right? <laughs> So one thing I really liked about this play is that it, it had a really strong feminist element to it. And that's something that I'm sure is out there in the comics, but it's but I'm not someone who actively reads comics. I mostly know Marvel through like the movies or video games or something. Mm -hmm. And the women are usually like part of a team or they're like a sidekick. And it was nice having a woman so front and center and having it kind of about her identity as a girl. Um, yeah. Was that something you deliberately tried to do or was that part of your interest in this character? Uh, that was my interest in my character and deliberately something I try to do and something I try to do in all my work, uh, really. I mean, I love Dore Doreen Green is Squirrel Girl. And uh, people might not know her, but she's the only undefeated superhero in all of the Marvel Universe. She is, in fact, the strongest superhero of them all. Dr. Doom cannot hold a candle to her. And uh, what I like about her is that she's a very positive attitude. She tries to talk um, to the villains and try to reason with them before resorting to other means. Um, and uh, she isn't running around in a slinky outfit. Uh, she wears combat boots and she has buck teeth and she's very accepting of her body and who she is and of other people. And she's just joyful. She's just very funny and joyful and wry. So all things that I admire and other people. And so I love spending time with her. And I really wanted to highlight, I, I have daughters, and I think she's an excellent role model um, for, uh, for them as a, you know, as a teenage superhero, who is dealing with being, you know, dealing with this complicated world, dealing with going to college, dealing with being a teenager, dealing with falling in love, and dealing with the fact that she can talk to squirrels. Um, so she's got a lot on her plate. So how have kids reacted to this play so far? I think they, they love it because not only is it an ode to, to Squirrel Girl, it's an ode to theater. So there's a Greek chorus. There's all these villains that can be played by lots of different people. You can make up your own theme song. It requires a lot of creativity. And something that um, I've noted is that uh, there are not a lot of comedies geared for young people to write. And comedy is really demanding. I mean, it's easy to cry about the same things, but comedy requires a, an actor skill set that a lot of teenagers don't get to practice, which is timing, pace, you know, thinking on your, on your feet, um, staying truthful to the moment. If you try to be funny, that's usually not funny, but if you're truthful to your character... So I think in some ways, as an acting exercise, it's one of the most demanding of the plays, but it's also um, one of the most fun because, every, I mean, there's a dance-off, there's all sorts of crazy things that happen in 55 minutes um, that uh, so far, all this, all the different 
uh, high schools that have done it. And we've had schools in the Bronx, and we've had schools in Louisiana, and we have you know private school here and a public school there. We've had all sorts of schools do this play, and it's really amazing the creativity of how they come up to put it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see kids really having a lot of fun with this. Like, I, yeah. I remember the one acts from high school and stuff, and this feels like they would just fit so perfectly in that kind of a, a program. Exactly. And, you know, we have the we had the longer version and then we have a, a shorter version of the play for those who go into that 30 minute competition thing. So we're just hoping to make a, a, a positive play that gives access to all all students, to all diversity, to all type of things that there's a role for everybody in this play, no matter what school you go to, whether you're in the city or rural, etc., there's a role for you in this play if you want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, did I read something you were developing it kind of undercover? Yes, it was top, you know, as all things Marvel, it was all top secret. So all the students and all the schools that helped us develop it, because, you know, we wrote a draft and then we'd go see how it worked out and rewrote it, et cetera. All of them were sworn to non-disclosure. And even though we had public, they had public readings, they were private public readings. So it was all cloak and dagger, which all made it so much more exciting. The kids were thrilled to be part of this like secret lab, theater lab to help create the plays. And their feedback, their direct feedback of both the teachers and the students over different um productions or workshops that we had of it really helped influence and, and change the play as we went along. Mm-hmm. So it really is almost, you know, co-developed with um, teenagers and high school teachers throughout the country. Cool. Now, I'm not actually sure how long Squirrel Girl has been around. I'm thinking she's probably one of the sort of newer ones, but... She's, she's right. one of the newer ones. She was created by Will Murray and Steve Ditko. I can't tell you exactly which year um, she came to life, but she is one of the newer ones. But there is a TV show, and she has a, um, a rabid following, to, just to use a, a, a squirrel metaphor. I mean, people mm-hmm. really, really love her. And um, those who know her love her. I'm just excited to get more people excited about Squirrel Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the creators are, of her are very much still around and still yes. active with her, right? Did you work with them at all? Um, in, in not directly, this? but you know the the artwork was created by the original, you know, by the people who do Squirrel Girl, and I, we got feedback from the Marvel people. So they weren't necessarily in the room, but they had approval of you know how we uh, worked with their characters. And the highest praise that any of us got is when oh, it's like oh, that sounds like Squirrel Girl. Oh, that sounds like Peter Parker. Like when we were able to capture the voice that other people had been working with for so long because they work in comics and we work in theater. So it's two different kind of, of, of mediums. So that was, that felt like better than a New York Times theater review was getting when, you know, the, the praise from Marvel like, okay, that sounds authentic. And that was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From, I, I've seen uh, some of her comics a little bit. I have a twin brother who's very into Squirrel Girl. So I've learned a little bit about her from, from him. And I do feel like the tone really matched, like reading the play felt like, oh yeah, this feels really organically like what I'm used to this character sounding like. Yeah. And that was something that was very important to Marvel, that it sounded like it, it, it was in the family and that none of the characters, even though the story's original, uh, that you know, I created the story and the synthet- but we're using characters from the Marvel universe. We're using mm-hmm. villains from the Marvel universe, but it had to sound like 
we couldn't go. We 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 had to honor who the, the spirit of each of those characters are, and just like the artwork of Erica Henderson, who you know did the amazing artwork on the play, you know she kind of brings out a certain kind of uh, rambunctious nature to Squirrel Girl. We all had we all were committed to honoring that spirit of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you could command any animal the way Squirrel Girl commands squirrels, what would you choose? Dolphins. See how I had that really yeah, ready? Yeah, you had that I, ready I've to go. Had, I've actually had this discussion um, with with my kids before. I love to swim, and I love you know I, I dolphins are so smart and move so smoothly through the water. If I if I could if I could live at the beach and hang out with dolphins and have them have them help me with their sonar capabilities and their agility and their intelligence and their sensitivity, I think the world would be a better place. So that, and do- you know, I love dogs. I have a great, I have some great dogs. So, but that's a, that's for some reason sounds a little bit less um, comic book E, but dogs and dolphins. Mm-hmm. I mean, what could you not accomplish with an army of dogs and dolphins at exactly. your disposal? You know, wouldn't the world be a better place? I mean, what would mm-hmm. you like to be if you, if you could have your, spirit animal that worked on your command i would have otters Ooh, i i i'm with you on that mm-hmm. i like that yeah but the whole you know yes i can see that very strongly i love otters too mm-hmm. the suppleness and smartness of otters and another question i like to ask people and this might have to do with squirrel girl or it might not but what is an interesting or memorable conversation you've had recently an interesting or memorable conversation I've had mm-hmm. recently in general. And, and in general, it might have to do with this play or theater. It might be from some other aspect of your life. Just, just an interesting or memorable conversation. I had a really interesting conversation with my 13-year-old daughter about the afterlife um, the other day where she said, the thought of being in heaven and watching people... Uh, below me, like make mistakes, stresses me out. So I hope it doesn't work out like that. (laughs) I thought that was a very, very interesting um, kind of deep conversation about, you know, uh, mortality and where we are and and a completely different expectation that I had of what, how people think of, of where they want to be, what they want to make of their life and what they want to be over. I was an unexpectedly deep conversation and I'd never actually heard anyone say that to me before, that the idea of, of a certain, um, certain image of the afterlife sounding very stressful, and they hoped it wasn't going to be like that. So, you know, there was a lot of different conversations about what people believe after you died, but that was the first time I thought of, of, of this, this image that people have created, whether they, you know, because they believe in it or whatever, but it's sounding that the idea of heaven sounding stressful to her, I hmm. thought was very interesting. Yeah. That's kind of deeper and weirder than I think we thought we were going to go to. But anyway, um, I thought it was also enlightened in the sense of, I, I said, well, that's how being a mother is sometimes watching your kids do things and hoping that's going to work out. Because, oh, that sounds really stressful too. But anyway. I love those moments where like something gets really deep and existential, just out of the blue in an otherwise mundane situation. Yeah, we were in the supermarket, and somehow we were talking about that. We had, uh, she was asking, I guess she had to read something about reincarnation or something like that. So we were talking about all the different theories about the afterlife that has existed throughout time. 
Um, and, you know, this 13-year-old kid came up with this very, I thought, insightful and emotionally resonant um, reaction to it that wasn't out of fear or whatever. It was just something that, that I, you know, I didn't expect from her. And I, I think, you know, the other, I had a great conversation the other day from a cab driver. I walked into the car and he said, you, I asked him a question. He said, you're a writer. And I said, how do you know? I goes, your hair is really messy. And, <laughs> and I laughed. Um, and then he's like, do you like, do you like this song? And he put on American Pie and it was like really late at night. And he was from Nigeria. And he goes, I, he goes, I love this song. This is how I learned, you know, this is how I felt the United States was. And he put it on and we sang American Pie all the way from the airport to my house at two o'clock in the morning in his cab. And that was awesome, too. Like, mm -hmm. that's when the world comes together in a beautiful way, uh, when people suddenly share things with strangers and you're not on your phone, but you actually have a real conversation, which is why I like theater. It's always mm -hmm. about connecting. Yeah, it's, it's culture bringing people together across really distant boundaries sometimes. Yeah, it's about storytelling and community always. And, and, um, and people are always talking that, you know, this is going to be the death of theater or that the American, you know, it's dying. But I think even more in this time of technology and phones and all of that, the idea of being in a room alive with other people and watching other people be alive and put something on. And, you know, uh, theater can be really bad sometimes, but when it's really good, um, it's a moment of community. And when it's really good, it's a moment of communion, even if it's just everybody laughing or sighing at the same time. There's there's a, a beautiful ephemeral aliveness of theater that I love and it's a little bit counterintuitive because most people create art to live forever. And ours is an art form that can last, but it's always different every time you do it. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned is that living forever might be really stressful. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you have to sit around and watch people do bad things. So, you know, it's all come full circle. You brought a good, great point there. You might have to watch people doing your play not the way you intended. Oh my gosh, that is really stressful. I can, I, that sometimes it's wonderful because you learn things about your play that you never saw, and sometimes you're like, oh, okay, and that's part of the experience. I mean, everyone's, uh, someone once told me that being a playwright is being a uh, first row at your eulogy, and you're hoping that you, you know, you lived your life right and um, people did, you know, did a good job. But it's a very interesting process of seeing. Um, because my, my work, it's, it's a little bit like architecture, which is why we call playwright with a G-H and not an R-I-T-E. It's because it's really a three-dimensional type of art, and it's always interpreted. It's never a direct relationship. A book, the writer speaks directly to the reader. And a comic book is somewhere in between because the images influence you different than the text. So that's already another kind of interpretation. Um, and theater is a third kind of interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always thought comic books and theater seemed like they, they went well together. They like do. Like you could and easily you kind of adapt, you know, like a graphic novel or something out of a play. Yeah, they, they do, because it's about action. And uh, the way Squirrel Girl is written, it's supposed to look like you're going from one, you jump from one square to another in a sense there's not these beautiful transitions you go you're just uh, it's all it's written like a graphic novel is mm -hmm. well thank you for this conversation today karen is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with or other projects you have going on that you want to discuss a little well sure i i have a 
have two big projects that are very different. Um, I'm a Latinx writer. I, I hail mm-hmm. from Mexico. So I have a, a big play called The Copper Children, which is about the orphan trains that happened in 1904 from New York to um, the West. And it's a, it's a story about immigration. And that's going to world premiere at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival next year. And then I have a big tour of a, a telenovela play musical that I've done called Destiny of Desire. That's going to be at Cincinnati Playhouse, Milwaukee Rep, and the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis next year. So those are um, both have comedy and tragic elements to them, and they're a little bit in that same kind of energy and joy and, and pain that Squirrel Girl has. So it's a little bit the the way I, I work through my art. So it'd be wonderful to have people know about those things too. That's another aspect of my work. Okay, great. I will be sure to list information for those two so people can watch for them and, and see them if they're in the area. Yeah, and the other thing is learn, read more Squirrel Girl and eat nuts, kick butts, you know. <laughs> Go through life with, with, with confidence and goodwill, which is what she does. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a particular Squirrel Girl comic, in addition to your play, obviously, that people should look to? Oh, well, they should start with the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, um, the first kind of editions, and they will just, people will just, they're so funny, and they're so meta, and they have all these facts, and just, they, they are simply delightful to read, whether you're an adult or a kid, because there's a wryness and the sense of humor and a self-awareness that happens in the comics that is really, really, it's, it's really delightful. It, it reminds me a little bit of a PG-13 Deadpool. Um, uh, so the, the, the idea mm-hmm. of, of being really witty and really wise at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Thank All right, you. thank you so much, Karen. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. That was Karen Zacharias on her play Squirrel Girl Goes to College, a Squirrel Girl play. The play is currently available from Samuel French, and for information on all of Zacharias' plays and other career news, you can visit karenzacharias.com. She is also on Twitter at at karenzacharias6. The plot is a production from me, Sean Douglas, and the credits theme music is by Tan Chung Yu. If you liked this show, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know you hear that from every show, but really, if you like this show, we release a new one every two weeks, so look us up, subscribe, and get notified whenever there's a new one out. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Sean Douglas underscore, and this show at The Plot Podcast. Thank you again to Karen Zagarias and Squirrel Girl. That's our show, and thank you for listening. <laughs>